Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. We're going to be looking today at Galatians chapter 2. The theme of our study today. A life that is all about Christ. When you begin to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, there are no doubt a lot of great virtues that are set forth in the Scriptures. There are a number of things that he did in his life that are worthy of our emulation today. But having said that, in light of all that he was and all that he did, one thing that really stands out in my mind is the fact that for Paul, his life was all about Jesus Christ. He was totally consumed, absorbed, if you please, with Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 1 at verse 21, Paul said, For me to live is Christ. You see, to Paul, life was about Christ. And death, well, that was just the opportunity for him to go home and be with Christ. Because he said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And then in verse 23 of Philippians 1, he said to depart and be with Christ is far better. What about a life that is all about Christ? Those of us who are members of the body of Christ today, we need to live in such a way so that our lives are a reflection of that kind of thinking. We need to be totally absorbed in Christ. Having said that, let's look at what Paul said in Galatians 2 at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with his crucifixion with Christ. Again, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. And the allusion here is to a death that took place when Paul obeyed the gospel. And really what he's talking about is the fact that when we obey the gospel, we die to a life of sin. Over in chapter 6 at verse 14, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me and I unto the world. A death must take place. And so when Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, in Romans chapter 6, 
He began by asking the question, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And his response to that was, God forbid. How shall we that have died to sin live any longer therein? So when we obey the gospel, when we are baptized into Christ, we die to the love and the practice of sin. And so in verse 3, Paul said, Know you not that all we who were baptized were baptized into his death. And so there is a death that takes place. That old man of sin is put to death. Now, what then does that entail? Well, there are two things that come to mind. First of all, we must die to our will. In other words, our will must be put to death. Now that's sometimes easier said than done because it seems like, at least from my vantage point, typically people are selfish beings. Now that's not always the case, but many of us are selfish and we want our ways to prevail. We want our will to supersede the will of anybody else. Well, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so what Jesus is saying here is that our will must get lost in his will. You and I must put to death this old way of life. And what we need to do is, is ultimately say that God's will trumps any other will. That his way, his will supersedes our own human will, our own human inclinations. You think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. The promise being, I will give you rest. But again, emphasis on coming to Jesus and the willingness on our part to say, your way will ultimately triumph or trump my way. We sing the song from time to time, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. Well, that song really captures the essence of what it means to become a child of God. We are surrendering our will and our ways to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. I surrender all. Have you surrendered all to Jesus? We talk about the life of Christ and we say that when you begin to examine his life, you see a man who was totally absorbed in Jesus Christ. It was all about Christ. That's what he lived for. That's what he thought about. I think about a man who ate, who drank, who slept thinking about Christ 24-7. His life was totally devoted to Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, let's also think about this particular point. And that is, not only do we die to our will, but we die to the world. You see, the world is at odds with God. James said in James chapter 4, verse 4, that Friendship with the world is enmity with God. You and I, we can't have an ongoing relationship with the world and with the Lord. It just doesn't work. The two are opposed. They are diametrically opposed. 
And so John said, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, he said, are not of the Father, but are of the world. The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. And again, think about what Paul said in Galatians 6.14. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified unto me. We die to the love and the practice of sin, and that encompasses the world and all of its attendant pleasures, so to speak. And when we talk about those pleasures, we're talking about those things that would be unwholesome. For example, in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about the life of Moses. And the Bible tells us that he made some decisions in life. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He made a deliberate, a conscious choice to say no to the world. Now, you and I, we're called upon to do the same thing. How do we do that? Well, we're crucified with Christ. But now I want you to think about a second thing in our study. And this has to do with our consecration to Christ. When we talk about consecration, we're talking about dedication. There is a dedication on our part to the cause of Jesus. We become his servants. It is a life of servanthood. It's a life of service in the kingdom of God. And so look again at verse 20. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, I said just a moment ago that when we obey the gospel, that we have to die to our will. In other words, our will has to yield to the will of God. And sometimes we are very selfish beings. We're called upon to no longer be selfish, but to become selfless. And that's what, that's what Paul was all about, a selfless life. For whom? For Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I would encourage you sometime to just read through the various epistles that were penned by the Apostle Paul. And note, if you would, the emphasis that he places on servanthood. Sometimes he'll begin his address by alluding to the fact that he is or that he was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, for the life of Paul, it was about servanthood. It was about serving the Lord. And that's why he could say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Everything about the life of Paul was about Christ. He was totally absorbed in Jesus Christ. He was under the impulses of his will. Now, what does it mean to be consecrated to Christ? When you look at the life of Paul, you see a man that, that really willingly endured any number of things for the cause of Christ. That was, that was what he was about. I would submit unto you that when we think about being consecrated to Christ, that it involves being involved in the Lord's business. 
Think back, if you would, to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 2 at verse 49. You remember Jesus was just a boy, 12 years of age. And he said to his parents in the long ago, that being his earthly parents, I must be about my father's business. Jesus was talking about not his earthly father Joseph's business, but rather his heavenly father's business. Jesus was involved in the work of God the Father. You and I, as members of the body of Christ, once we obey the gospel, we literally said we were consecrating, dedicating our lives to the cause of Christ. And in doing that, we were saying, in effect, we're going to be involved in the Lord's business. In Matthew chapter 16, you read, you read about Jesus asking his disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus then asked this question, But whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and he said, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And then, of course, Jesus went on to say, I also say to you that you're Peter upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. But following that great declaration by the apostle Peter, Matthew tells us that Jesus began to show to the apostles, to the disciples, that he was to go to Jerusalem to suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes, that he would be put to death and rise again. You know what Peter said? Far be it from you, Lord, that this should, that this should happen to you. And here's what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. For you're not mindful of the things of God. Sometimes it may be that we become so absorbed in the affairs of this life, our hobbies, our recreational pursuits, our business, our jobs, school, etc., whatever it may be, that we lose sight of what we are to be about. We get so caught up in the mundane things of life that that we're no longer absorbed in Christ. Now, is that to say that we're not to work? No. Is that to say that we're not to have some type of recreational activities in life, that we're not, that we're not to be afforded any kind of downtime? No, it's not to say that at all. But it is to suggest that our lives need to be centered on Christ. He needs to be the hub of our lives. If he's not the hub, something's wrong. Sometimes we talk about car tires that are out of balance. And when they're out of balance, the car doesn't run right. Well, if your life is not about Christ, then you're not going to be balanced. And your life is not going to run right. I can assure you of that. And so what we have to do is be about the Lord's business. That would encompass being involved in evangelism. Sharing Jesus Christ with friends and family members, with those with whom we come in contact on a regular basis. All of us are to be involved in sharing the gospel of Christ. 
It's not just one person's responsibility. It's not just the preacher. It's not just the elders. It's not just the deacons. It is every member's responsibility to do what he or she can to advance the cause of Christ in a given location. When we talk about going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, the world for us may be our backyard. It may be our next door neighbor. It might be an acquaintance, a friend. It might be somebody we work with, somebody we go to school with. Whomever it may be, the point is we need to be sharing the gospel of Christ with those people in the world. Why? Because that's what the Lord wants. Because that is his business. Jesus was involved in what? He was involved in the business of saving souls. That's what he said in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Think of all of the opportunities that we have on a daily basis to share the gospel of Christ. Think about all the people you come in contact with regularly. It may be at the grocery. It might be at a department store. It might be just talking, talking across the fence. It might be on the job. It might be at school. It might be at the ball field. Wherever it may be. Think about all the people that you come in contact with regularly. Do you ever take just a minute and tell somebody about Christ? That's what it means to be involved in the Lord's business. When we talk about the three works of the church, evangelism, edification, and benevolence, edification and benevolence all tie back to evangelism. In Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus instructed to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he said, teaching them to observe all things. That's edification. We know that we're to be involved in benevolence. We know that people typically do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. That's why Jesus said that... It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why Paul said, let us as we have opportunity do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. We can help those who are outside the body of Christ. We can meet their physical needs, their material needs from time to time. But in so doing, we must not lose sight of the fact that that is a soul. It represents a soul that will either spend eternity in heaven or hell. You and I have the opportunities to share the cause of Christ. Look at the life of Paul. I said that when you look at the life of Paul, you see a person who was totally absorbed in Christ. Listen, this guy was a teaching and preaching machine. Imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul talks about him. Philippians was one of Paul's prison epistles, along with three others. And he was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. Every time... A new man clocked in, so to speak. I can just imagine Paul saying, guess what? That's fresh blood. Somebody else to teach. Somebody else to preach to. Paul used those opportunities and those occasions to what? To share the gospel. I mean, did Paul? do you think Paul ever said, boy, it's a beautiful day outside? I'm sure he did. I'm sure Paul appreciated the handiwork of God. I'm sure that Paul, no doubt, talked about the Olympic Games, because you can read his writings, writings and you can see where he will allude to those ancient games. But I don't believe that he allowed those things to crowd out the hub of life. I don't think that's all he ever talked about. I don't think that was the focus of his life. 
Isn't it interesting that when Paul and Silas were imprisoned in Philippi, at midnight, they weren't talking, the, the Bible doesn't say they were talking about the Olympic Games. The Bible doesn't talk, talk to us about their physical conditions at that particular time. Was it too hot? Was it too cold? Were they hungry or thirsty? We know they'd been beaten. No, the Bible says at midnight, what did they do? They prayed and sang praises to God. Why? Because for these men, the Lord was the hub of their lives. It was all about Christ. That's what their life was about. And as Christians, that's what our lives need to be about. It needs to, about, it needs to be about Christ. We need to be totally absorbed in the Lord. And so, we're involved in the Lord's business. Also, we're involved in the Lord's battles. The battle that we're talking about is a spiritual battle. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. He talks about warring a good warfare. You and I are involved in a spiritual battle. We're involved in that battle for what is right, for what is good, for what is wholesome, for what is holy. And so we're here to make a difference. I don't believe that we've been put on planet earth to just be a model accountant or a great school teacher or a useful mechanic. I mean, all of those professions are great and noble. But what we're here on this earth to do is to make a difference. That's why we're not only involved in the Lord's business and in the Lord's battles, but we are to be the Lord's beacon. You and I are to be a beacon of light in a lost and dying world. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. What does light do? It dispels darkness. You and I, we have the opportunity, the ability to make a difference in this community. Wouldn't it be great if, if you and I, together, if we made, I'm talking about a radical difference in this community, in this region, in this state. We can do it. Why? Because we're the people of God. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You and I, we can make a difference. Paul made a difference in his lifetime. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul was about making a difference in this life. I think about the words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 58 at verse 1. He said, Cry aloud and spare not. Tell my people their transgressions, the house of Jacob their iniquities. If you and I do not speak up, if you and I do not stand up, then who will? If we're not a light in this world for good, pray tell who will be. We and we alone have that great opportunity as well as other members of the body of Christ. There's a third thing I want to share with you very quickly in looking at Galatians 2 at verse 20. 
We talk about his crucifixion with Christ, his consecration to Christ, but then there was his celebration in Christ. Look again at verse 20. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul lived a life of faith. And I believe that that brought tremendous delight to his life. And really when you look at chapter 2, verse 20, one of the things that Paul reminds us about are the showers of blessings that we enjoy in Christ. Listen again to what Paul said, speaking of Christ and his faith in the Son of God. He said, he loved me and gave himself for me. That's personal. Why do you think Paul was, why do you think he was a man with a mission? Why do you think Paul, why, why do you think that Christ was the hub of his life? That that's what his life was about because personally speaking, he understood what the Lord had done for him. Now listen to me, please. You and I will never be what God wants us to be until we understand personally what the Lord has done for us. It's only when you and I can echo the words of Paul and say that Christ loved me. He gave himself for me. I think about the sincere love of Christ. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus loved us. And that's why every, every action that Paul undertook in life was under the impulse of the word of God. That's why he was a preaching and teaching machine. That's why his life was totally absorbed in Christ. He understood what the Lord had done for him. He understood the sincere love of the Lord. But not only that, he also understood the sacrifice of Christ. Not just the sincere love of Christ, but the sacrifice of Christ. Paul said he loved me and he gave himself for me. Think about, think about some of the things that Paul wrote. For example, in Philippians 2, when Paul said, Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, yea, even the death of the cross. Paul understood that Jesus went to the cross for him personally. I mean, it's good to talk about the effects of the cross from the vantage point of the world. Did Jesus die for the sins of the world? Yes, he did. That's what John the Baptist said. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died for everybody. But if we bring it down to a personal level, Jesus died for me. Children, learn at a very early age that beautiful song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus not only loves us, he died for us. And that's why Paul was the man he was, because he understood what the Lord had done for him. And that's why 
You and I need to understand what the Lord has done for us so that we can model our lives after the Apostle Paul. All right, let's close by just asking this question. Is your life all about Christ? I'm not talking about just giving the Lord a little bit of your life. I'm talking about have you given the Lord the totality of your life? I think sometimes we tend to take the cafeteria approach to Christianity. We go through the line and we pick and choose what we want. Or maybe we just give the Lord a slice of our lives rather than giving Him the whole of our lives. What about you? Have you genuinely given the Lord everything? We sing the song, He is my everything. If He is your everything, then you have given Him everything. Are you a Christian? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you done what Jesus said to do? Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, 24. Jesus also said, I tell you nay, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3. Would you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that He is the Son of God, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Would you be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. Would you be faithful until death, Revelation 2, at verse 10. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love